This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Welcome to Calvary Church, everybody. To our guest, my name is Tommy, and I thank you for being here. I know you could be anywhere you wanted today, so thank you for being here. You're actually coming in on the second Sunday of the month, which puts us at the second Sunday of what I feel is my most important series of the year. Every February, I, I teach the same series every February. The reason it's placed where it is is because we start our year off with some prayer, fasting, and we try our best to incorporate our whole church for, for about three weeks. We just really try to cleanse our heart, cleanse our mind, and uh, we just try to push the reset button coming out of those holidays. And then we get into February, and February is a series that I, I teach. I call it the core and basically what it is, it's, it's what I feel that God's mission, it's God's mission, it's God's passion, God's burden for humanity, which automatically makes it this church's mission, burden, and passion for humanity. I believe if it's good enough for him, it's, it's good enough for us. So I just want to, I don't ever want to try to recreate the wheel. I just want to come right under what I think is what he's attempting to do. And I want to partner with him. And, and it's his kingdom anyway. Everybody say amen. amen. So here we are, week number two. Last week's message is placed on not just our website, calvaryftw.com, but it's also placed on our app, Calvary FTW. If you're here today, maybe as a guest or maybe you just missed it the last time you were here, all of our sermon notes are available for you on the app. Calvary FTW. So today, if you want to kind of follow along with my message, if you'll download that app, uh, you can follow with me. Last week, our first part of the core series was entitled God's Core Promises. Today, the second part, I'm going to follow up from last week with this subtopic, and that is His Promises Fulfilled. Exodus 6 Verse number six, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians." If you were here last Sunday, I'm going to give you the 20-second recap. We talked about how the promises of God are a lifeline to us. And one of the translations of Scripture that we read from last week, we saw that if it's a lifeline, then we need to reach out with both hands and grab a hold of His promises. They'll keep us. They'll keep us when things aren't going too good. Well, we need to know his promises, we need to understand his promises, and we need to pursue. We need to go after him. We need to chase after the promises of God. And then I concluded last week with the very scripture I just read, the four core promises of God. Well, today I want to jump in. You ready? The promises of God, the four that, that, that we'll work from all month long, believe it or not, they're tucked away. They're kind of they're tucked away in something called the Passover. The Passover. 
Now, there, there might be someone here today that is unfamiliar with the Passover and what it is. And then there's others of you, you know it uh, maybe even better than I would in Scripture, in studying of Scripture. But just to make sure that we're all together, let me just kind of remind us or maybe inform you for the first time, what is the Passover in Scripture? Well, we have to start way back with a people group. And the people group was Israel. And you might have heard about a gentleman in the Bible. His name was Jacob. And then if you kind of come down the family tree, you'll find a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph was that guy. Maybe you remember the story. He's the one that had a coat that was kind of flashy. And his brothers didn't like him being so cocky about his coat that his dad gave him. So they got rid of him. And he was placed into slavery. They sold him off for a little bit of money. And then he actually got put into prison But then something interesting happened. Because he had this incredible gift, God's hand was on his life, he got out of prison. And Joseph ended up being the second in command in a a foreign country called Egypt. He was in Egypt, and he wasn't even supposed to ever be in Egypt. And sure enough, he's not supposed to be there, but he got promoted to being second in command. And I love Joseph's I love Joseph's response to this. I mean, everything went wrong for the guy until he got promoted. And then he realized all the stuff that went wrong for him were actually things that were blessing him. And he said something along the lines like this. What the enemy meant to harm me and what the enemy meant to just kick me in my gut with actually was God doing something good for me. And if you don't hear anything else in this message, because we're going to kind of get into some theological weeds and I don't expect everybody to just, just love what I love to speak about. So I'm going to try to keep it for, for a little bit for me, a little bit for you. But here's what we all need to know. Don't just assume that everything bad in life is going to end up remaining bad for you. There's a lot of things that, that bring pain and discouragement. hurt. Man, it might be divorce. It might be a cancer uh, it, might, it might be bankruptcy. It might be a kid that went crazy. Can I get an amen? That kid just might, it, he, just, he just might take care of you one day. You just never know. What you thought was bad might end up being the blessing in your life. This is what happened with Joseph. So he actually is the second in command, and there's a famine. Everybody's starving. Well, this guy's own family was hungry, but yet he had the key to the cabinets. And he said, all of you guys come here, and I'm going to feed you, and I'm going to feed everybody else. And next thing you know, a lot of Joseph's family has relocated. And uh, it's kind of like Texas. Everybody from California can't get here quick enough. You know what I'm saying? We got to be careful. They're going to drive us crazy. We got to keep this thing real, y'all. We still Texas with a bunch of Callies living here. And to all my Cali people, I love you. Just leave your stuff in Cali, you know. <clears throat> You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. So all these people are living now in Egypt, and they're not even from there. It's not their native land, but yet they, they took God at his word, and they start producing. They went forth and reproduced. They're having babies and babies and babies and babies and babies. And the Pharaoh realizes, wow, this thing's getting out of hand. 
there's more of them than there are of we. And if I'm not careful, they could probably take over. So what does he do? He just says, all of you that just moved here from foreign places, these have been years now, and you just keep reproducing. Well, he put them all into slavery. So now these incredible people are slaves. They're living in mud pits. They're making bricks. And I mean to tell you, they, they, they're having a hard time. Because they, they're, they're the people of God. They're supposed to be free, but yet they're not. They're in this weird spot of being in slavery. And speed the story up. Now the Pharaoh thinks, you know what? I need to even get a better grip on all of this. And I need to take their firstborn. And I need to, I, I just need to, I just need to take life. I need to get a hold of what's going on. Now we got this guy some of you have heard about. His name was Moses. Now Moses is a little bitty baby and he's in a little bitty basket on a really big river. Why is he in a basket? Because his mama wanted to save his life. And this little baby's floating down the Nile River. The basket lodges up in some weeds. It happened to be on the bank of, of all people, the Pharaoh's sister's house. Living in this big compound, she takes this baby. It's not her baby. Doesn't look like her. Not, not even of the same bloodline. But she says, I'm going to keep this baby for myself. Now Moses is literally growing up as, 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 a, as a Hebrew in the home of the Pharaoh. He's eating Pharaoh's food. He's watching Pharaoh's ESPN. This guy is growing up in the wrong environment. He doesn't fit, but yet he's there. But then one day, somehow or another, he comes into himself and he says, I don't look like everybody, and I don't smell like everybody, and I don't talk like everybody. I don't think I'm one of them. So he runs, and he goes to the backside of the desert. He's living in a place called Median. He gets married, and on the way there, he makes some really bad choices, gets into a bar fight, and kicks this dude's tail. He kills a man, and now... Moses is on the backside of the desert, lost as a goose in a snowstorm. And then of all things, he bumps into something, which is a tree that's on fire. Trust me, dude's not on drugs. Sounds like a great Friday night story. It's not that. God's voice was consuming a bush. And this guy, Moses, that's been running for his life, bumps into a bush and the bush talks back to him and says, hey, you're, you're, you're my man. I'm your man. For what? First of all, you're a bush and you're on fire and you're talking to me. What's going on? And he says, you're my man. I want you to go all the way back to Egypt. Egypt? No, 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 no. I don't go back to Egypt. I left Egypt. No, I need you to go back to Egypt. And I need you to tell the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh, I'm not going back to Egypt. And much less the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh wants to kill me. Why does the Pharaoh want to kill me? Because I killed somebody. And, and I, there's no way I can go back there. What do you want me to do? I want you to go back there. And I want you to tell the Pharaoh that I said, you better let my people go. Moses does what you and I would do. Moses starts, starts, starts numbering all the reasons why, not me. First of all, I'm not going back there. I'm, I'm finally away from there. Secondly, I've killed a man. I don't know if you know this. I think you're God and all, but maybe you just don't know this part. I killed a man. And plus, I, 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 I stutter. Mel Tillis and I, we do country music together, and we're good at it. I stutter. And God said, no, you're the exact person I want to use. Somebody else in the room. Not only do you need to understand that not all things are for your harm. There's some things that you think are for your harm that are going to be for your good. 
A second thing you need to remember today before we get into the, to, to the full sermon here is that God specializes in imperfect people. If you think for one second that God uses perfect people, you're crazy because there's never has been a perfect person. He uses imperfect people to provide perfect, you ready? To provide perfect messages on his behalf. So here we have Moses, he's killed a man, he's got blood on his hands, and he's got a stuttering issue, but yet he said yes. So he heads back to Egypt, he goes into Egypt, he gets the attention of the Pharaoh, he says, you got a minute, man, I want to buy you a cup of coffee, let's talk. He says, what's up? He says, listen, I know you want me dead, but here's what I've come to do, I've got to tell you something. God said, let all of those slaves free. (laughs) You're crazy. I'm not going to let anybody free. Plus, I'm going to kill you. He says, no, you don't understand. I don't have a weapon. I don't have a gun. I don't have a sword. But I've got something kind of weird. I've got these things called plagues. I'd rather be shot than have to have a man tell me he's got plagues. I mean, you is, be honest about it. You know, dude takes out, a, takes out a 40 count, and you're like, okay, let's see if he can hit me. But a plague, you're like, oh, a plague. Brother, he hits him with the first plague, the second plague, the third plague, the fourth plague, the fifth plague. The At some point, you got to say uncle. But seventh plague, the eighth plague, the ninth plague. Here comes the, the tenth plague. And this is the big one. And this is where we go into our message about the Passover. Moses says, listen, there's a tenth plague that's about to happen if you don't let my people go. Thus saith the Lord that there's going to be a spirit of death. There's going to be a death angel that's going to come through this entire region. And it's going to claim the life. It's going to take the life of every home. There's there's going to be life taken out of homes that do not have, everybody listen now, and I'm going to do my best to, to keep it where all of us can track together. Unless there is blood of a lamb on the door frame, on the home. Now, I know this sounds crazy. I know you think we've a burning bush, talking murder, stutter, and now blood, lamb. I'm out. But just hang in here with me. Moses has heard from the Lord. The only way, the only way that there will be a saving of life is that if there is the blood, if if there is the blood of a spotless, pure lamb without any defect, if that lamb's life is taken, the blood of that perfect lamb must be placed over the doorframe, the doorpost of a home. When that death presence comes by, It will pass over the homes that have the blood marked, meaning we've obeyed. We don't understand it, but if this is the way to be saved from death, then I'll do it. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I just know that if the plan is people die where there is no blood, people live where there is the blood of a perfect lamb, my options aren't really that hard. Uh, sweetheart, go get one of those lambs and meet me in the back. We need to put some blood over our house because we don't want death to come to our home. We want death to pass over our home. And sure enough, we're going to speed the story up. 
there was that that, take, that took place. There were homes that were free, and there were homes that were faced with death. Now, we're going to speed up. The people of God, the families of God are in something called the exodus. It's a fancy word for exit. What are they exiting? They're exiting out of slavery and out of Egypt. And, buddy, they put the U-Hauls on the Chevy pickup, and they are gone. They are hauling it through the desert. They get to a body of water. They say, well, now what? Well, the Spirit of the Lord parts water. They go across the water. Now they're into the desert. And God says, you are the most obedient, beautiful people. Now I just need to give you some rules to live by. They're called the commandments. And then he even says, but don't think I've come to keep my thumb on you. I'm not just going to give you commandments. I'm going to give you some parties. You're going to get to feast. You're going to have some parties. One of the feasts I want you to celebrate is something called the Feast of the Passover. But we're generations down line. Now we're dealing with children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that never were there when that lamb was killed and blood was put on the house in this weird way. Now we're, we're generations down the line, but yet they're asked to, 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 to participate in this weird traditional celebration, which takes us to Exodus 12. It's in your app that you have there, Exodus 12 and verse number 26. When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Tell them, tell them why we have this party. Why do we take off work? Why do the kids get to stay home from school? Why do all the cousins come to our house on this day called Passover? What's the big deal? It says, tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Now, our last bit of history before we fast forward. Everybody okay? Everybody take a deep breath. We're good. I, here's our last piece of history. Now when they celebrate the Passover, years later, they still take a lamb. That's without defect and blemish. They just don't get caught up in having to put it over the doorpost because they've already been delivered from that. They don't need that. They just now need to remember what had happened. Basically, it's remembering the day of their freedom. It's 4th of July. We're just going to remember independence. We're, we're, all we're doing is taking a break, catching our breath, and we, we give a big toast, and we celebrate that day in history where, where death passed over our house. And they do it by taking a lamb. They eat the lamb. And then in Jewish practice of the Passover, they toast, they drink wine, and they toast in remembrance of these promises of, of Exodus 6 that he was going to bring them out, and he was going to set them free, and he was going to restore them to the people group that he intended them to be and the relationship that, that he intended them to have, and they were going to be fulfilled in life. And they just toast each other and cheer each, with each other, and they honor God at the Passover. Everybody say, that was then. Hey, everybody, come on. Everybody say, that was then. Okay, you get out early when you participate. That was then. 1,400 years later, there's been a whole lot of lamb eating. There's been a whole lot of wine drunk. There's been a whole lot of Passovers had in the Jewish tradition. Jesus a Jew had practiced this practice hundreds of times. Watch this. 
Now in Luke chapter 22, verse 15, this is where the sermon shifts. Because now it's Thursday night if we were to place it on a calendar. If we could do that, it's Thursday night before, before his death. And Jesus Christ said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And Jesus Christ took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to him, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. He took the cup and he said, This cup, two words that everybody in the room, I don't care if you're 10. Or if you're almost at 100, but that would, that would be pretty awesome. 10 or 80. You need to get comfortable with these two words. He says, this cup is the new covenant. In my blood, which is poured out for you. Notice these few points of Luke, Luke, Luke's scripture we just read. Jesus is about to die on the cross. Jesus says, I wanted to do this one Last time with you, this is my body. The bread represents my body. The wine represents my blood. And this is the last time I do this for you or with you because I am now the perfect, without spot, without blemish. I am the final lamb that is connected to and represents the Passover, I am about to fulfill what the thousands of lambs previous to me could not truly ever complete. I'm about to take the Passover to a level of fulfillment. And the promises of God are about to be fulfilled in my death. Let me say it this way, everybody. And I know I'm getting into some, some theological weeds and, 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 and I got to be careful because this stuff is, oh, I love it. But not everybody gets into it. But this is what you got to know. This is it. This is, this is the walk away. You ready? Everybody in the room, get this. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb once and for all, it is settled. There's no more need of a lamb to die in the natural. He is our Passover lamb. How do you know that, Tommy? How do you know that? How do you know that? Well, uh, it's not just me. 1 Corinthians 5 says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. John 1, if you remember John the Baptist, the dude that likes to hang out by water, he sees Jesus coming and he just stops. He, he puts down his chicken tender and he puts down his sweet tea. He says, hey, stop everybody. That, that man is the lamb that has come to take away the sin of the world. That is Jesus, the perfect lamb of God. So what does this got to do with these four promises? You got to remember Exodus 6, 
These are the promises. I will give you salvation and I will give you freedom and I'll let you live without any problems and issues ever again. And I'm going to restore you to my original people group and I'm going to give you fulfillment in life. And, and how's that going to happen? You're going to put blood over your doorpost and, and you're going to be set free. And, and daddy, why do we still celebrate this? It's called the Passover, son. Well, now when we celebrate Passover, ladies and gentlemen, it's not because of just the original lamb that set the Hebrew people free. But now you and I, we have access to this same freedom. The grace of God has looked past people groups. It's looked past color of skin. It looks past genealogy and history. It says to whosoever will, if you'll partake of this blessing of redemption, I'll offer you the same salvation that has been offered throughout time. I will be your Passover lamb once and for all. It is settled. You can be saved and death does not have to visit your home from an eternal perspective. You can have life to its fullest. Come on and let's clap our hands to the Lord. Come on, everybody. Clap your hands to Jesus. Who are we clapping to? The Lamb of God that's taking away our sin. Not just for yesterday, but for today and forever. Our sin is forgiven. Amen. Let me just give you a few similarities now. I want you to see the connection. I told you it was stuck there. The promises of God are placed in the core, in the, in the, in the Passover rather. Let me show you similarities between the requirements of the lamb at the original Passover and what Christ does. They're, very, they're, they're in sync. Worship team, come help me and be ready. They're in sync together. Y'all make me the promise to listen to me while they come. Is that cool? Can y'all do that? Y'all do that? It, it's like every now and then I feel like I'm back in fifth grade when I ask them to come. Everybody's like, <laughs> and, and, and I feel like I want to be that one teacher that, that, that like throws chalk. I just don't have chalk. <clears throat> so I'll throw a table. Everybody watch this now. Watch this. The lamb that was required at the original Passover had to meet certain criteria. There were some requirements of that lamb. Guess what? Jesus fulfilled the same requirements. Here's the first one. The first requirement was in Exodus 12, verse number 5, it says that that lamb back then, that lamb had to be perfect. The animals you choose must be your old males without defect. Without defect. Without defect if I were to say everyone in this room that has a defect raise your hand we'd be listen, uh, lifting both hands and we'd reach over and lift theirs too all of us do but the lamb had to be without defect and you may take him from the sheep or the goats how does that connect to Jesus 1 Peter 1 you were, you, you were redeemed watch this 1 Peter 1 verses 18 19 with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. The only thing that can cover bad is something good. The only thing that can, that can, that can brighten up darkness is light. The only thing that can cover imperfection is perfection. Jesus Christ had to be the mediator, the connector between God and man had to be Emmanuel, God, it, it, God with us. Jesus 
John 3, 16, what does it tell us? It says that he loved you enough and he loved me enough to send perfection. His only begotten son, his perfect sacrifice. Because the lamb had to be without defect, man. Had to be perfect. Number two, and, and um, for, for any parent in the room, I, I, I'm going to do my dead level best not to make this too uncomfortable and graphic for our children. But, but man, Hollywood will lie to you on this topic. Watch this. The second thing is the lamb had to die. The lamb had to die. It had to be sacrificed. Back to Exodus 12, you know the thing we keep working from? Verse 7, I mean uh, verse 6 rather, I apologize, verse 6. Hey dad, why do we do what we do? Well, this is the Passover. We're remembering when the, when the presence of death passed over our house. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to eat a lamb. What about that lamb? It's going to have to be perfect and that lamb's going to have to die if we're going to eat it. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Isaiah says this of your Jesus. Isaiah says this of our lamb. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. Let me just tell you something. I don't care how modern and how cool the story of Jesus is on film. It does not compare to that word crushed. Jesus was crushed. He was pummeled. He was slaughtered. And I know that that might make you cringe, but can I just tell you something? Your sin made him cringe. And he had to take that sin and demolish it once and for all. And he did that for you and for me and for all of our family and friends. He was crushed in place of our sin. And the punishment that brought us peace, the reason that you don't have to have a troubled mind and a broken heart, the reason you can be set free from your issues is because that type of punishment was placed upon him and it was by his wounds that you're healed now I'm doing something a little bit out of the ordinary force in this, in this service and the next there's a song that Wednesday night when we were done with our first Wednesday by the way was first Wednesday lit or what was that not the best first was that not a good service first Wednesday was amazing but after it was all over I heard our worship team practicing a song and it was a song that I grew up with it's a song from from my yesterday and I I, I just said I've got to do it I've got to do this song during all three services so here's how we're going to do this today I'm not done okay but I, I, I'm wanting you to I want you to go there with me I want you to stand and we're almost out of our time but I'm not I'm not done yet so here we go Jesus fulfilled the promises of God and he did it at a place called Calvary. He did it on a place called the cross. Mom and dad, it is your responsibility to partner with me as a pastor to teach your children about the cross. I get it, man. I'm all about me some faith and prosperity and increase in abundance. I can do it all day long. But can I tell you, that's not what he died for. That's just part of the benefits of me believing. What he died for is that my sins can be covered by the blood of the Lamb. Enjoy this last song.
I believe that this life with its great mystery surely someday will come to an end. Oh, but they will conquer the darkness and death, and will lead me at That this Christ who was slain on the cross has the power to change lives today. and the favor of God but can I just tell you those things just happen to stem from the deep root of the Passover lamb that came to take away your sins not just to give you the blessings in life but to have your name written in the lamb's book of life and that is in eternity saved with Jesus Christ amen amen and amen Right now, every eye closed and every head bowed right where you are. I've met my limit on my time today. But you, you and your eternity means more to me than a schedule. Right now, while your heart's being moved and while your mind is clearly focused on the love of God, would you come to know Jesus as your Savior today? Are you ready to repent of your sins? Lift your hand if you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Come on, everybody. All over. I see you, sir, right there. May God bless you. Right there in the back, there's two. Right over here in the back, there's three and four. 
If you're ready to give your heart to Jesus today, let your name be written in the Lamb's book of life. Repeat after me, Father God, I give you my past. I give you my today, and I trust you with my future. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and forgive me, Lord. And just as you died on that cross, I accept your death today in my place. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to make me right with God. May your righteousness be in me now. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to become my Lord and Savior. And I ask you, Lord, to just continue to work in me and develop me, God, into the life of freedom that you have for me. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say a big amen. One more time before we go home. Let's clap our hands for Jesus. Yeah! Hallelujah! Amen and amen. How many of you just want to forget lunch and just stay here a little while longer? Good, because we got another service. I hope you do. May the Lord bless you.